Hi, everybody. Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. And my name is Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimgard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimgard role-playing game, and I had never watched Avatar until now. Thanks to my dear friend Amanda's recommendation, we have been going through Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode, and today we land on Season 2, Episode 15, The Tales of Ba Sing Se. Now this episode is a very unique one because rather than having just one story the whole way, it breaks the episode up into little vignettes, little short stories that focus in just on uh, one, or in the case of the first story, uh, Toph and Katara, two characters. And I gotta tell you, boy, the intensity that these short stories have, Amanda. I was not ready for that. I was like, oh yeah, cute, funny stories. <laughs> yeah, but... There are certainly ones that get heavy, quite, quite heavy. They they do, they do. And I got to tell you, as somebody who has written an anthology and so packed a lot of story and intensity and drama and a quick story arc into just 12, 12 or 15 pages, I really, really appreciated this episode. So let's get into it. Um, so uh, I guess we will read the titles and then the uh, the writers for each title yeah. that's in there. Uh, the Tale of Toph and Katara was written by Joanne es Estoesta uh, and Lisa Wildander. Uh, the Tale of Iroh was written by Andrew Hebner. The Tale of Aang was Gary Shepke. The Tale of Sokka was Lauren McMullen. I was almost surprised that Lauren didn't take the Aang episode. I know. That's what I was thinking when I wrote down her name. I was like, oh, interesting. She didn't choose <laughs> Aang. She chose Sokka. Interesting. You got to wonder what this was like. I'll, I'll finish real quick. But uh, the, tale of, yeah. the Tale of Zuko, written by Katie Matilla. And the tale of Momo. which is just the cutest last name, by the way, <laughs> Matilla. That's such a cute last name. It reminds me of Matilda. Same, it does. <laughs> uh, the tale of Momo is written by Justin Ridge and Giancarlo Volpe, which is really funny that Giancarlo would jump in on the tale of Momo to co-write it. Um, but it's also really cool because it's the one. Not that, not that none of them do, but the tale of Momo really specifically ties into the events of the next episode. So it's like, okay, and let's get mm -hmm. our story guy in here too to like link this up to the, to the bigger story. Right. All of these, it's just it's it's so cool to see that they handed these out. You gotta wonder, did they just sit around the pitch table for this episode and like everybody like called really quickly who they wanted? Like, what did they do? Well, that might just be in our fun facts. Oh, well, in that case, uh, it was directed by Ethan Spaulding, <laughs> animated by DR Movie. Uh, it, aired, it aired sometime in September 2006, <laughs> and it's like a 9.2. Anyway, oh on God. to our fun facts. Wow, <laughs> we just really blew through that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you just kind of blew through the fact that this is one of the highest rated episodes that we've reviewed so far. <laughs> At 9.2 out of 10, but it's fine. Um so we got a couple fun facts for you guys today. Um, the haiku contest be, uh, that Sokka has with Madame Macmuling is the Avatar world equivalent of a modern day poetry slam or rap battle, which I love that because 
out of all the poetry that I like studied in school, haiku was always my favorite because it was the easiest. And I always thought of this episode and I would like use ones from this episode in my class. It was so funny. <laughs> That's anyway, awesome. I love funny. that her name is Mac Mooling <laughs> because just the MC in her name for Mike Commander sounds like absolutely perfect. Well, it's funny because I think I read that somewhere that Mac Mooling was supposed to be a reference to Lauren McMullen, who wrote the episode. So oh, that's like, clever. Mac Mac Moo Mac Mullen. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mac Mooling, Mac Mac Yeah, right. That's so <laughs> like, good. Have you, have you ever done a poetry slam? No, God, no. That's the one type of writing I just, I've never gotten is poetry. Like, I appreciate it. When I was in college, I did a rap battle. Oh, really? I did. I could, could, that that tall white kid that nobody thinks is good at rap. I was, I was. There was a bunch of guys outside at the quad of my college, (laughs) and they were having a rap battle. And I, they were like, do you have any takers? Anybody want to step up? And I was like, sure i wrote songs at the time and i'm always really quick with a reply and i can rhyme stuff really easily because i got a good vocabulary and i just got up there and just destroyed for like four minutes and they were like who's gonna fight him next and i was like nah guys i gotta go to class and i just like threw the mic to the next guy i was like i'm out (laughs) i'm out i'm going out on my own terms (laughs) (laughs) it was great Yeah, no, like I can rap. Like I'm a theater kid. We that's like all we do is rap. It's just tongue twisters instead of like actual raps. That's why I was wondering. Yeah, no. So I can rap. I just can't improvise rap. Like oh. I can improvise acting, but not yeah, not words. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> so an uncredited uh, Greg Baldwin provides a solitary line of dialogue for Iroh during this character's tale. I don't it didn't say which line so i kind of am curious as to which one it is i have a hint or have like a a hunch i know which one it is but i don't know for sure if it's if it is actually that one um but yeah so i think i might have mentioned that well i think that the line um that the one line that he uh gave for the for the episode is probably the when he was talking to the mugger for some reason, there's a very distinct quality about uh, Mako's voice, or Mako, it's it's said either or, mm-hmm. but I say Mako, um, about Mako's voice, that it's very gravelly, but not like harsh. It's just, it's the way he speaks. It's very gravelly. And Greg Baldwin, he does an amazing Mako impersonation. Like he is, he was his protege, basically. Um but his voice is a lot clearer. It's not as gravelly. And that's that's the really only distinguishing difference between the two. Um, and I feel like when Iroh's talking to the mugger after he's like, you know, knocked him off his feet and he's like giving him tea and all that, I feel like his voice is clearer than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had to guess, I would assume it would be that that like, you know, little bit of dialogue when he's talking with the mugger and giving him tea. I don't know, but that's just me because I've listened to it about a million times and that's the only time Mm. I'm like, that may not be Mako, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's really interesting. Huh, I'll have to go back and listen to it. Yes, so this is what you've been waiting for. (laughs) This is how this kind of came to be. Um, The writers for each segment are regular crew members, but with one exception, they've only have this, or they only have this episode as a writing credit. So for Joanne Estoesta, she has 18 credits as a production coordinator. 
Lisa Wallander has four credits as a production assistant, 13 as a martial arts coordinator, and some uh, videographer credits as well. Andrew Hubner, Hubner um, has 16 credits as a production manager. Lauren McMullen, our girl, has eight credits as a director, three as a storyboard artist, one as a character designer, and one as a historian. Um, Greg Sh Sh Ship, how did you say it? Shefe, Shefke. Yeah, um, has nine credits as a production assistant. Katie Matilla has eight credits as a production assistant, seven as a production coordinator, and an, bleh, and an additional writing credit for The Beach, which actually is a season three episode. Mm -hmm. I've, I've mentioned it before. Um, Justin Ridge has 11 credits as a storyboard artist, and Jing, or, <laughs> when I'm reading it out loud, I say Giancarlo. Uh, Giancarlo Volpe has 18 credits as a director, five as a storyboard artist, and one as an assistant director. So they basically were like, hey, production coordinator, you want to do an episode of Avatar? Do you want to write a segment <laughs> for this episode? We're getting Hell close yeah. to the end of the series. Uh, what do you guys want to do? We think we ought to do. Give me like give me like three minutes, five minutes tops, like each of a story. That's great. Right? And God. That, that would just be a dream, honestly. Like, just imagining being one of those, just, you know, not not underlings, but basically underlings that, you know, do the production coordination and all yeah. that. And then suddenly you, like, you get to write for an episode. Like, that's just, that's awesome. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and so... being involved in the, the production process, you know, somebody who's like a storyboard, uh, storyboard artist or a historian or production assistants, you know, they don't have a direct hand in you know they're not calling the big shots on everything but they have a hand in the creative process so you you got to imagine that they're invested in the characters they're invested in the story they know the kind of stuff that goes on and they have their own opinions on like oh it'd be really cool if like this character had this kind of a story or if they did this kind of a thing especially you can tell that like the soccer rap battle somebody was just like hey i got a crazy idea but just just tell me that this doesn't fit with Sokka. and they're like oh yeah if it's with Sokka. right so how do you want to go about this since it's so different from other do you just want to go by each episode as they yeah. appear in the and, and give a quick I keep saying episode they're segments yeah <laughs> each of the stories each of the stories uh tales to be specific um i mean let's yes. i mean let's just go along as they go um the tale of toph and katara um i just want to say that like i thought that it was a great little short segment because it's just that it's just a trip to the spa which is hilarious with like Toph getting her her like makeover care when she's like no no one touch my feet right <laughs> but like it's a very it's a great little story because it addresses the idea of judging people by their appearances and how mm -hmm. you know Toph doesn't even know what Katara looks like, her friend. Oh yeah, or what she looks like. I always really like this. Maybe it's just because it is the girl segment, but like it really is. It's obviously a universal lesson, but especially for girls um, to learn at such a young age. Absolutely. Yeah, like you know the line that Toph says. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about my appearance. I'm not looking for anyone's approval. I know who I am. Like that always spoke to me a ton as a kid, like mm -hmm. just that line and hearing that come from uh, Toph directly. Like it just is really sweet, really just true moment, like a, a really good bit of um, dialogue for her. Um, yeah, I, it's, there's really not a lot to say. It's just, it's a really cute. Um, yeah. I like seeing Toph Katara bonding because 
you know, they, they've been at each other's throats so much since Toph joined the group. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see them just kind of having fun together and just having a girl's day out. Like that's such, it's such a sweet, unexpected thing. In this episode, I feel like Toph gets to be the younger sister that Katara doesn't have. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's really sweet. I love that. As someone that has younger sisters, like I feel yeah, that. It's great. You know, we like to do dates like that, you know, go into the spa or go into the movies or whatever, just just us. Like no parents, <laughs> no friends, just sisters. And it's like such a nice thing to do. It really hits on one last thing I want to point out, which is a really important thing for girls. Um, it's important for anybody, but as you say, this is directed for girls. So to stick right on that and stick the landing on it, um, it talks about how, you know, she she compliments her on her confidence and her strength, and that those are the things that make her think so highly of her, not just that she's, oh, a beautiful person that she admires. Um, and, you know, it's a thing that we we point out a lot nowadays, and I think it's a very good thing, is to note how often when young girls are growing up, how often people are very quick to compliment them. Oh, hello, you look so pretty today. Your hair looks so nice. That's a really pretty dress you're wearing. I love your shoes. And like, it's kind of first nature because that's the way we compliment, you know, grown women all the time. And as a man, it's a very first nature to compliment someone's appearance. But it really is important, and for anybody listening, it is really important whether you're a parent with your children or whether you're, you know, interacting with other people's children or just when you're, intro you're introduced and dealing with grown women to compliment them on something else other than how physically beautiful they are or what they're wearing. Be sure to take note with your female friends or, or your kids when they're accomplishing things to let them know that they're smart or that they work hard or get, that you appreciate their creativity because those are things much deeper deeper than surface level and they really do resonate and people won't forget compliments like that whether they're five years old or 35 years old absolutely i i remember getting compliments very similar to those when i was growing up in elementary school all the way through high school and i i still remember those and think back to those today you know when my fourth grade writing teacher told me that i had a real gift for writing that has stuck with me and it has grown. And like, it, I just think back to that and I'm like, yeah, she saw something in me that maybe I didn't even realize at the time. And now it's like something that I'm super passionate about and super good at. And like, yeah. so yeah, it, it, it is important. Like, it's not all about looks guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When, when Much you, more to appreciate the person. Yeah. When you, when you compliment somebody, you're affirming something about them that is worthy of praise. And if all you do is praise people for their appearance and then they grow up and all they ever do is just obsess over how they look sometimes really danger in dangerous ways. Like that's something that's planting. So let's plant in people that we compliment them on their hardworking attitude or the fact that they're always kind or for their patience or anything anything like that that we want them to do more of <laughs> this is your psa from amanda and Todd. yes this is the wholesome segment we have to make up for the last episode in so many big ways <laughs> this is the wholesomeness we're, we're square now guys no more drill jokes we promise yes <laughs> uh then the next one is the tale of iroh oh boy i can't wait to hear your thoughts <laughs> um it was a very unexpected turn. Um, oh, yeah. 
absolute gut punch. You would not see it coming. Oh, man. And, like, that's the thing I love about the short stories, that every one of them has a different tone. And in this one, you've got Iroh, and he's going around town. He's just shopping for stuff, and he's being really sweet. He's being really nice to people. He, he you know, talks to the kids who are, who are playing soccer or whatever they're playing. Um and everything and then like there's that mugger who tries to mug him and he like helps the guy figure out how to better stab him by holding you know a better stance <laughs> but no but he counts he, he, he counsels the guy wholesome um mm -hmm. but see he calms the crying child in the courtyard with the song on the on the the guitar that he's playing and then <laughs> And then yeah. at the end of the episode, he sings the exact same song about the little soldier boy coming home, and it's his son's birthday. His son that died in the siege of Ba Sing Se mm -hmm. years before, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, you told me to have... Kleenex is ready for this episode, and um, I almost need them again right now, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. A stiff drink of water will get me through this. Do you remember, it was several episodes ago, but do you remember when I told you about my outdoor egg group and how we were all big Avatar fans, and some days on our off days, that's all we would just talk about was Avatar? Yeah, on the one day... We all sat in a circle and we were singing songs of, from Avatar and we got to this one and we all were just sobbing, just in the middle of class. This was the one that got us to sob. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, it hit really hard for one of my friends because unfortunately she actually lost a brother in a motorcycle accident, her older brother, and she just lost it. And then we all lost it because like, it's just a very emotional kind of thing. But yeah, this is one of those like top, probably top saddest moments in the entire show because it just comes out of nowhere like and you're just all the weight of you know Iroh because Iroh is a character he is so you know light-hearted he's so funny he's so kind and despite you know where he came from where he grew up and so to see him be so just sad is just heartbreaking mm -hmm. and to see how much like I don't know if it's guilt per se, but just how much sadness he's carrying over the loss of his son mm -hmm. and, you know, in the place where he lost his son. And, you know, it, oh God, it, it hits so hard because yeah. we've been alluding to this for, you know, since the beginning of the show, you know, and now to see it kind of come to fruition, it just, it really breaks your heart. And ugh. yeah. Yeah. And then pop it all off, you know, on this, this beautiful emotional song um you have the you know it fades and you see the in honor of mako right yeah yeah and this was not the last episode that he recorded but this was the last or the last episode was the last one that he um uh was alive for for the premiere of so mm -hmm. this was kind of a, an honor of episode wow so yeah yeah it's yeah good stuff. really 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 heavy emotional stuff and yeah to see that break away from a character who especially i feel like especially in season two has been that you know that positive voice for zuko and that guy who's just like pay attention to the simple things like a man has nothing but encouraging good bright side of life things to say he's zen about the fact they're homeless he's he's you know happy for every opportunity and every charity they get from everyone 
but inside you've got somebody who does take his his time and his space to mourn and you know there are a lot of people who carry that around who do go through life trying to do nothing but put out good things into the world who aren't you know bitter about the things that happen but they do still take their time to grieve inside and and they do take their private moments to deal with the things they deal with and it's it's really beautiful the way the episode puts it across it's it's a great episode to have in honor of him yeah yeah i really love it so is the, was there anything else that you wanted to say no, about that? Or... No, I'm good. I would sit here just staring at a wall, thinking over the end <laughs> moment of that one, if you let me. But we must yeah. go on. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot. But yeah. it, it's a lot because it's great. It is really, really um, good. Uh, so the next one is The Tale of Aang. And this is a fun one. This is so <laughs> fun. It's such whiplash back the other way. Oh, I know. <laughs> so I'm like, it's like... Wow. I And it's so funny because I haven't watched this one in a hot minute um, since I last uh, rewatched the entire series two years ago. So I forgot because I thought for some reason that Ira was at the very end. Like I was shocked when it was the second episode or uh, segment. Mm -hmm. So then we get the whiplash to Tale of Egg and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> crying. I can't be laughing. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so what would you think of this? Ep or uh, you say episode? Damn it, you know what I mean. Segment. I know what you mean. Just just say it. It's oh, we, yeah. we just keep correcting yourself in your head. It's fine. We'll power through the list yeah. somehow. Um, <laughs> but the tale of Aang is great. It's so much fun, and it's so simple. It's literally the animals need more room. Well, let's get them through the city. Except let's turn the city into Jumanji along the way. Like just watching the utter chaos, and of. And of course, the wild animal eating the cabbage man's cabbages. <laughs> yes, this poor man. <sighs> even even the cabbage bending can't save him from Jumanji. No, <laughs> no, only the whistle can do that. Which was really cool too, and it kind of was like a little bit of a one of those larger story moments when like he blows the whistle with such force that it like sends the shockwave through the whole city. And I kind of waited to see if, like, Appa was going to appear. And I'm like, okay, something happened to Appa. Because if he's somewhere in the city and he didn't answer that, something has happened to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that moment. And this is, um, like, my favorite part of this segment is when he actually gets the animals outside of the gates of the city into the big open pastures. And he just plays the really impressive earthbending. Yeah. Like he is really yeah. taken to it. And I I love it's so simple, but like, I don't know. It makes me so happy to see how far he's come with earthbending, even though he just picked it up a couple episodes ago. Um, because it shows that even off screen, he's been working at it, just like he does with Katara with the water bending. Like, you know, it's it's really cool to see the progression of that as the episodes go by. Um, and even, you know, when, when they were first, uh, premiering because they would come out weekly or sometimes even bi-weekly, you know, it felt like more time had passed than it actually had within the story. So it was like, yes, he's getting so good at Earth Fed Day. <laughs> yeah, it's going. You build that zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, that very thing that I pointed out at the very, very start in the first episode when i did a quick character analysis of them i was like how do you make a character likable just just irrevocably likable have them love animals yep 
That is certainly a defining trait of Aang. He loves him some animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So moving on to the tale of Zuko. My favorite. Wait, <laughs> no, no. Don't yes. jump the gun, you Zuko stan. We have the tale of Sokka. Oh, holy shit. We do. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm so sorry, Sokka. Man, you just elbowed Sokka aside. I'm sorry, baby. Come back. I love you. She's a Zuko stan. Like, what what are you going to do? I am equal Zuko and Sokka stan, so I apologize, Sokka. So, the tale of Sokka. Uh, The tale of Sokka, it's really, really short, but it's so good. It's so simple. Just the idea of him just accidentally getting kicked into a haiku battle rap whatever like and it's all female of course and he's just attracted to all these girls and he's like yeah i, I can get with this it I can, also I it also it, it also gave me like uh wars of kiyoshi vibes where he's like looking in the window like the man's right. gotta stop popping his face in the window when like you know what <laughs> i mean get dragged in. he's gonna get in trouble one of these days <laughs> right but uh, it it was really really cool though to also see just like when the women of the Avatar world are like when the boys have finally left them alone, what all they get up to? They they right. they have the poetry clubs where they train for war and Kiyoshi. They do all kinds of cool stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just I don't know why, but my favorite part of the entire uh, segment, excuse me, is uh at the very end when he like miscounts the haiku <laughs> he's like counting it on his fingers <laughs> <laughs> it's one too many syllables <laughs> he gets thrown out yep. oh my god it's so funny yeah i just love that like that because that's his overconfidence like he was he was building himself up so much and then he just made one slip up and you're out <laughs> like <laughs> stay humble Saka. stay humble exactly <laughs> should bow it out while you were on top man <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing was just awesome. Uh, but now, now we can go on to <laughs> the tale of Zuko. My boy. <laughs> well, why yes. don't you open this time since you were so excited? <laughs> oh my god. This segment has lived rent-free in my head since 2006. Like, <laughs> I live for... So- or, god damn it, now I'm getting the mixed up for Zuko going out on a date with an Earth Kingdom girl. Like, oh my god. It just... Ugh, it's it's perfect. And it feels much longer than it actually is. Like, it feels like it's... Oh, I don't know why. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I see you. Shut up. I didn't, I didn't say anything. <laughs> this segment's time feels a lot longer than it actually is because i think it's only about five minutes um but it feels like a whole episode it's crazy um i am the biggest zuko and gin shipper ever really <laughs> like not even kidding like obviously zutara is kingship for me like that is my favorite avatar ship but like if anybody else was gonna be with zuko if katara wasn't it would be Jin for me. Like I would have written it to where he was with Jin because they have such fucking cute chimistry and he liked her so much. Mm-hmm. He kissed her back. Yep. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm dying. Yeah. It's really nice to see him with a nice down to earth girl. Right. <laughs> you got it. I, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I also love how Zuko says, or uh, Iroh says yes for him when the girl asks <laughs> him to go right. out he'd love he'd to, love to. <laughs> yeah. and then 
God, he did him so dirty with that hair, though. He was like, my <laughs> uncle my uncle was styling it or combing it or whatever for like a half an hour. <laughs> and then she just ruined it. But she knew what she was doing. It looked terrible. It was awful. <laughs> Iroh, you don't have yeah. any hair. Stop combing other people's hair. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and just I love how like natural yet awkward their like chemistry is when they're like out at the dinner or whatever. And he's trying to be so nice and compliment her, but he's just so bad at it. <laughs> you have quite an appetite for a girl. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Zuko, honey, honey. That's how I compliment my women. Right. Every time. Well, you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then her wanting to take him to her favorite spot in Bossing say, oh. But then nothing's lit up. Yes. And then he's, oh my God, this part. And he, just tells her to close her eyes and he lights them for her knowing that this could very well get him in trouble with mm-hmm. the Dai Li or with one of the other citizens or even with her. He mm-hmm. doesn't really know her. Yeah. He's just taking her out on this one date and so he risks everything for her and I'm like are you kidding me? It's so good. It's the it's also the Fire Nation equivalent of like having the girl close her eyes while you like turn on all the like the Christmas lights everywhere, you yes. know, like that, but no. He this man shoots the Christmas lights out of his hands. Right. And it does look so pretty and it's so romantic mm-hmm. and then like uh and she tries to go in for a kiss and he just blocks it with a coupon and i'm like oh we've haven't you ever been there you ever lean in to kiss a cute guy who can shoot fire from his hands and he pulls out the starbucks gift card on you unfortunately i cannot say that i know you haven't been there uh okay well you never know don't give up hope yet yeah (laughs) but uh yeah and then you know he 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 talks about the coupon and she, you know, compliments Iroh and then they go in for an actual kiss and it's just like a cute little peck and he draws back, but then he the goes in for really it. Bad. I'm like, yeah. And then he's uh, like, and there's like <laughs> light a bunch of lamps with your fingers, accept kiss, kiss her back, tell her things are complicated, refuse to elaborate leaves. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Oh my god, she he blue balled her so hard. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I just and then he gets home and Iroh, you know, is super excited. He's like looking for him outside. Pretending that he's he just, that he's tripping the plant yes. by the window. <laughs> yes, so cute. And uh, you know, he comes in and he seems like he's really angry, like slams the door behind him. And I was just like, How was your night, Fransuko? And then he just kind of quietly is like it was nice. I'm like, yes, it was. You need to go back to her. <laughs> forget, <laughs> forget everything else. Forget your life in the Fire Nation. Forget May. Like, no, you go with Jin and you have a beautiful Fire Nation, Earth Nation family. Prezuko's <laughs> dating profile has been updated now. It just says, en- enjoy his <laughs> awkward dinner conversation after my uncle styles my hair. Uh, right. hate, hates tea and having to use fire to light tea. the candles at dinner. Oh my goodness. We'll hand you Starbucks his, gift cards every day. His profile would be terrible if it was really so damn awkward <laughs> and I love him. Oh man. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite. It feels like it feels like it could have been its own episode, just focusing on Zuko living his life in the Earth Kingdom. Um, I just wanted the episode yeah. to end 
with, I just wanted the episode to end with Engelbert Humperdinck's Man Without Love. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so then finally we have The Tale of Momo, which, as you said, kind of ties into, just very loosely at the very end, um, the rest of this kind of bossing, mm-hmm. say, looking for Appa arc. So what did you think of this episode? Or segment? <laughs> Down to the very know, end. Time. They're all episodes. Every time. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really, really good. Um, you had mentioned, and so I was kind of wondering about it. You you had mentioned, you were like, oh, Appa and Momo get their own episodes. And I'm like, their own episodes, huh? And so mm-hmm. when it said the tale of Momo, at first I was like, haha, cool. Momo's tail, because he, he has, has a tail. tail. But then, after that, I was like, oh, Momo gets his own episode. And it was cool. I really, uh, so, really, really funny. I always loved those, um, they did a lot of them, I feel like, when I was when I was young. Like, in the 90s, I feel like they had a lot of these. With, like, they would put, they would have animals, like, real-life animals, kind of like Homeward bound the incredible journey or like milo and Mm -hmm. otis they would have the animals like actual animals would be the characters of the movie as he was kind of voice over them well there was no voiceover but as i was watching it like i feel like i'm watching milo and otis or like homeward bound or something i'm just watching a bunch of animals running around doing stuff i love that we can't understand the people they're like (laughs) right (laughs) it was just really really cute but it was also a little heartbreaking because then at the end momo curls up inside the the footstep of of appa which Mm -hmm. was good foreshadowing there yeah yeah i for some reason as a kid I don't know why that never really clicked with me. I don't know. Cause like I watched the episodes and for some reason, I just, I never quite put together that, Oh wait, that's Appa's footprint from when Long Fang, like, you know, flipped him into the underground. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just thought that it was supposed to be an animal's footprint. And like, he was really sad cause it wasn't Appa and like that they it let him do dead end or something. Yeah. I just, for some reason there was that disconnect. I was like, what? But, obviously now i get it like that makes it even more sad because it's like he's so close yet so far (laughs) so close to finding his best friend again exactly it's like they they are the last remnants of the air nomads like of the animals of the air nomads Mm -hmm. so they they really got to stick together and he's just as broken up about oppa's being missing as everybody else is and that's good to see that um especially since you know momo's just the animal like he's not the transportation he's not you know anything like that he is literally just the animal sidekick to the gang which is fine that's all he needs to be but it is nice to kind of see a little bit more in depth of like his character and all that without having to have him talk or anything like that um so yeah it's it's a very cute little segment and it like i said i like that kind of ties in and it makes sense now looking back that this would be the final episode just because it does tie into the next one um but uh yeah so very cute little episode so overall how would you rank this episode it's really really good it's hard to give it a rating because like some of them are just like oh that was fun and they are all good like none of them there's nothing really negative at all to say about them and i mean given that they're all so character focused how could i not rate them highly and the pacing is always Mm -hmm. good because they're anthology shorts they're vignettes in an episode so um the things that are good are really good. Um, again, all really enjoyable. Um, 
I would give it a solid 9.10 or uh, 9.10, a 9.10. No, I give it a <laughs> 9 out of 10. Oh, interesting. That's actually higher than I thought you would rank it. Um, excuse me. Oh my gosh. Hiccups. I think that I'm going to actually give this one an eight out of 10. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because while I think that, like you said, there are some really, really high points, the tale of Zuko being my favorite and also, uh, the tale of Iroh, the ending alone is just worth its own point. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like while the others are good, they don't quite live up to those two individual parts. So like as a whole, I think, you know, if we were doing like individual rankings, like Tales of Go would be like a nine out of 10, Tale of Iroh, nine out of 10. But um, yeah, I think individually, or sorry, altogether, I'd have to give it an eight out of 10, which may be a hot take. Cause this is again, one of the more highly rated episodes. Cause no, yeah, I think people no, I just totally really love, yeah. People just love seeing these characters and I do too. And you know, it's nice to see them in a situation outside of the main story where they're just kind of living their lives day by day. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'll give it a eight out of 10. <laughs> a lot of my rating for things. And, you know, from asking me about my list of favorite Marvel movies, favorite star Wars movies, which you are always just appalled at my choices. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of appalled. I'm just interested. Okay. <laughs> you have very interesting taste when it comes to those movies. The fact that the Phantom Menace is always somewhere in my top six upsets you on a cellular level. Admit it. <laughs> that does. Yes. That, that one in particular <laughs> stings. <laughs> okay. But see, but on that note then, just to kind of justify, not that I feel like I have to defend it, but to justify my, why I give it a nine out of 10, um, a lot of my ratings for things, um, is on rewatchability. If I feel like I could rewatch it a bunch of times and I would enjoy it more and more every time or never get sick of it, like a lot of my favorite movies that are in my top 10 are movies that I, if I had the whole movie just playing over and over again all day long, every time I walked in the room, never get tired of it, then yeah, it's one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. for sure. Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearls, like that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We love some Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really funny because when uh, the, one of the first times I saw the movie, uh, after it was in theaters, this was way back in the day when you had like pay-per-view movies. No, they weren't mm -hmm. just, you know. Um, and we actually got the Pirates of the Caribbean. But when you got it, it was all day thing. You got a channel that just played it over and over again all day. It wasn't on demand. <laughs> yes. And so we just set it on the channel on the TV and we let it keep going all day long. And every time you walked in the room and every time the movie ended, just started back over again. As you should. That is how I want to live my life. Just pirates on the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl <laughs> playing on loop infinitely. <laughs> That's what heaven looks like. It's just that movie playing yes. forever. <laughs> Honestly, if there was a movie that I would want to play forever, it would be that one. I adore that movie. Anyway, back to Avatar. <laughs> Maybe that could be it. That's another Millwood and Michael. We'll do the whole Pirates of the Caribbean saga. We should. I actually haven't seen uh, half of it. Uh, I haven't seen like, pretty much half of the half of the Pirates of the Caribbean. So let us know what you, you think. Know. Should this be our next <laughs> yeah. season of the show? <laughs> right. Uh, but, the, right. but the next episode is uh, episode 16, Appa's Lost Days. The episode is written by Elizabeth Welch Ehaj. It is directed by Giancarlo Volpe, my boy. Uh, <laughs> it is animated by JM Animation. 
and the episode aired October 13th, 2006. The IMDb rating of Ava's Lost Days is 8.8 .8 out of 10. Take us away with mm -hmm. those fun facts. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here the earth. <laughs> um, when Ava flies over the water tribe ships, she... She, wow. Chief Hakoda, Katara and Sokka's father, is seen for the first time outside of flashbacks. I don't know if you caught that. Not at all. Very... I'm sitting here like, what? Who? When? <laughs> what? It is literally like a 10 second shot. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it's earlier in the episode when he escapes from the desert. He's flying over the ocean. I believe it actually is the Serpent's Pass. Mm -hmm. And we see a water tribe, a small water tribe fleet. And we see like Hakoda, the chief of the Southern Water Tribe, and like I said, Guitar and Sokka's dad, um, we see him look up into the sky and he sees Appa and he's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then they cuts, like that's all we see. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> and may I just say, uh, yeah, you just went right over my head. Yep. Um, Hakoda is the ultimate daddy for Avatar for me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you this will not be the last time I the wholesomeness lasted this long it's gone now everybody <laughs> yes no literally like this will not be the last time that I thirst over this character because like both me and Rachel my my middle sister are like Dakota is daddy <laughs> like I don't know what it is about these water tribe men but who boy Sokka Dakota like ugh. thirst they got water my water tribe <laughs> Yep. Literally. Unsurprising. I think it's just the Pisces in me. I like my water signs. <laughs> but uh yeah, so anyway. Cool yourself um, off a little bit, splash a little cold know, water. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I have to get my <laughs> um this episode spans the longest period of time in the world of Avatar with four weeks. So I noticed that. Yeah, it, it goes over quite a quite a span of time, a whole month. Um, and most episodes of Avatar are at most a couple days. Usually they're just a day. Um, so yeah, this is definitely the longest span of time that we've seen in, I think, the entire show. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's longer, but no, I don't think there is. Um, on March 27, 2007, this episode received the jet. I was going to say the Genesis, the Genesis award um, from the Humane Society of the United States in the category of outstanding children's programming. Yeah. This episode won an award because it, it focused so much on um, the abuse that Appa was suffering from the animal abuse. And this was back when circuses were still using animals mm -hmm. like all the time for yeah. everything um, that obviously has been discontinued for the past, what, four or five years, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so this this was one of the episodes uh, since it was, this was 2006 that really drew attention to the fact that, yeah, circuses abuse animals and that's not cool and that's not OK. Um, so, yeah, it won an award for that. And as it should, it's a very, very powerful episode with so with basically no dialogue from our main character or titular Appa. Um, and yet we know everything that he's feeling throughout mm -hmm. the entire episode every single emotion that they're trying to get across i think they do it perfectly and with that let's get into the episode what do you think of this yeah this one was quite a trial you know we you know, to jump off of the last thing you were saying office suffers, <clears throat> suffers a lot of abuse on all kinds of levels like my man's just he goes through so much in this whole mm -hmm. thing he 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 winds up you know 
imprisoned and and sold off to the circus where he is starved and psychologically tortured with the fire which oh my gosh just him being like emotionally scarred where all of a sudden he's scared of the fire after that it, it was just such mm -hmm. change because we know what appa's like we've seen this guy bulldoze through fire nation troops before he's not afraid of fire he's not afraid of anything mm -hmm. right he has no but chill. It's no chill. Yeah, Appa wakes up every morning and chooses violence. Every day. But now he's actually experiencing true violence directed at him specifically. Not just at the gang, mm -hmm. not just at Team Avatar, but at him. Yeah. And I think that that's really seeps into his psyche, as you said. And it like it makes him afraid of things that he never was before, like fire. Yeah. Um, and even people. Like... Appa's never been afraid of anybody, like, um, whether they're friendly or not. And now suddenly, you know, when Suki, which was a great, obviously, to kind of skip ahead a bit. Yeah. But bringing back the Kyoshi Warriors and Suki and for her to be the one to find him. Um, and he knows Suki. And yet he was cowering from her. Yeah. Like, that's so sad. It was sad. I was so happy when she showed up. I was literally like, oh, it's the Kyoshi Warriors. They're going to find him. They're going to rescue him. I was like, I was already crying from the previous episode. And now I'm watching right. an animal being hurt and abused. I love animals. And it's it's so just gut-wrenching. And then finally, there's like a friendly face. Because the whole time, I'm like, how in the world are they going to find him? He's sleeping in a abandoned thing under a tree that a pig was living in. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we see her. And I'm like, yes, find him and then he's like angry and aggressive or scared of her and stuff and i'm like no no baby <laughs> right yeah no it's so sad but i'm i'm really happy like that is one of the brief like glimmers of hope that we get in the episode for appa like when he's finally you know the kyosha warriors they find him they clean him up they heal him and he finally looks back to himself again and of course right as he's about to leave to go find ang azula and ozai's angel show up those bitches <laughs> And... Yeah. Although I gotta tell you, seeing the all-girl fight there of the Kyoshi Warriors and Ozai's Angels was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah so no, it's, cool. It, it's such a small fight, and yet it's so cool to see. Like, just I love benders versus non-benders, just to see how they'll like, you know, how they'll compensate for not having any bending. And you know, the Kyoshi Warriors they hold their own pretty fast or uh, not pretty fast but pretty well against these completely op badasses like mm -hmm. ozai's angels they are so op uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no it's such a cool fight and i just i love that there's it's not just there to add another thing to oppa suffering you know with the kyoshi warriors being fought by them and then him having to go off without them like it actually has story relevance that comes back with <laughs> the mm -hmm. big finale of the earth king yeah um so yeah it's it's brilliant because you almost forget about it. it's so quick like the scene itself when they show up and then you're like oh well that's okay i guess that they're tracking off maybe no um correct me if i'm wrong but the only bender in the whole fight though like the kyoshi warriors though they're not benders they're just warriors the, the only actual bender in the room there i mean of course with an appa because he is technically an airbender is azula <laughs> yes. everyone else exactly and i love how piggybacking on top of the whole like wholesome um uh 
uh, Katara and Toph thing in the previous episode of beauty is is not what the physical appearance. It's the things inside of you, like your strength, your confidence. And then there's just like what's what's her name again? Ty Lee. She's like, you think you're prettier than yeah. me? And she like beats the other girl into the <laughs> ground. And I'm just like, yes, you are not prettier than us. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like. Tylee, did you not watch the last episode? Did you learn anything? Apparently not. Look, bad guys are just focused on being prettier than other people. I didn't even realize until, I guess I did subconsciously, but I didn't like think about it until I rewatched um, today. But each girl, each of the Ozai's angels gets their own little quip during the fight. And I didn't like, for some reason, it never registered to me. Like, so Tylee's was like, you are not prettier than us. And then May says, you're so colorful, it's making me nauseous, which is hilarious. I love that line. Um, <laughs> and then you have Azula with her badass line of, you know, don't you know fans just make flames stronger? <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, queen. It's, Go it's, off. It's like a Mortal Kombat <laughs> fight where like the characters drop in and each of them gets like a, a cool, witty, threatening catchphrase before it's just Mortal Kombat fight. Like, <laughs> Yes, I love it. Um, yeah, so I love that. That whole segment is great. It really threw me at the end when he does get into the city and then he's the guy's just waiting for him. Uh, Ling, uh, Feng, 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 La Long Fang. Long Fang, right, right. Long Fang is there waiting for him. And then it's just, pff, he just drops him right into the upside down right there. <laughs> right? Yeah, they... It's uh, it was a really good subverting of expectations, um, because you know we associate the whistle with Aang, so much like Appa, it's almost like a Pavlov effect. We're like, Aang, where is he? Where? And then nope, it turns out it's a Dai Li agent, and Long Fang is waiting for them. And I'm just like, ah, oh, no. Mm -hmm. You think again? It's like you're so close. You get a moment of hope, like, oh no, they're gonna reunite. Nope, <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. You gotta wait. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, it's it's a really again, this is it's hard to talk about because it's really just like a vignette of like abuse. <laughs> it's like wow, that that's really sad. I did like however um in the circus which by the way is the same circus that Ty Lee was a part of. I don't know if you re realized I, I that. I did. I did realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should have put that in the fun facts. But anyway, um yeah, it is the same circus that Ty Lee left to join Azula from. Um and I like that the little boy that kind of looks into the tent where Op is being held and being starved mm -hmm. in a cage, um, that he's voiced by Zachary Tyler Eisen, who voices Aang. Right. And that he, even Appa makes that recognize uh, or realizes that obviously not in canon, but he just, the voice reminds him of Aang. And, you know, when he watches him in the crowd and he's laughing and he imagines Aang laughing, I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, there's, so there's like, there's like Appa on our podcast being like, I thought that was the same voice actor. When I heard him, <laughs> right. I was like, wait a minute, I Dear. recognize that. T. Bradley Baker just comes on like, oh, yes. <laughs> um, it, yeah. it was and me. It was me. <laughs> um, and then we also get to introduce to i'm trying to remember thing guru patik i believe is his name guru patik um who does come back in the finale uh he is a guru that is trying to teach ang about how to master the avatar state which mm -hmm. he has not done yet um and i really love his character because like 
he's just such a warm kind of like understanding type character. He's only in this one season, but um, you know, I love that he's patient enough to wait for Appa to come to him. And like when he finally, when Appa's resting and he's able to kind of, I guess, chart his chakra or feel mm -hmm. his spirit, whatever spiritual thing he's doing, yep. um, you know, he can kind of sense how much hurt and betrayal and, you know, um, abuse Appa has suffered throughout these past couple of weeks that he's been on his own. And, you know, but he's like, but there's still love, you know, you still feel so much love. And I'm like, yes, he does. It's so sweet. I, um, I love whenever they do that with the chi, uh, with the chi paths, whether it's, you know, the chi paths of the vendors and how Tylee can block them, uh, or whether it's you know, the focusing of the chi, angst chi to enter the spirit world, or uh, in here, as he's like, again, like you said, he's reading the chi path so he can kind of feel like what he's been through and feel his heart out and like that. Um, remember a few episodes ago, I told you I had a book on chi energy and the martial arts? I found it. Yes, sir. I found it. Hey, there it is. Yep, it is The Power of Internal Martial Arts by BK Franesis. And this book. Franesis pharmacies um yeah and like it has all kinds of really cool stuff in it like i here's bagua training and the stages of circle walking hey that's airbending uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> I, so cool. I, I marked this page specifically so i could pull it up and find it again so yeah i nice. uh, i just yeah, i had read this book and it's been years since i actually picked it up and uh i i i, I thought i saw this one part it made me laugh where if, just to read it for a bit for you, just one passage where it says the third stage uh, about the stage of circle walking uh, consists of the double palm change, which represents the second trigram of I Ching known as earth. And you see uh, a lot uh, of the, with the earth bending, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's throwing. Uh-huh. Yep. It's all connected, baby. I love it. I they, love it all so much. They did their research. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy and proud when I found it today, reorganizing my bookshelves. Um, but yeah, but then just decided I wanted to tell you I actually found it. I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that you found it. Guru Pathik is such a cool character. My notes on him literally just say Guru Pathik is so cool. Because he is so chill, he's in control, he's that mentor character that, like, the group really hasn't had. They don't really have an Obi-Wan mm -hmm. Kenobi who, like, knows what to do, gently leading them along. I mean, think of the kinds right. of, think of the kinds of elderly teachers we've had. We had the, the firebending master uh in the the mm -hmm. one the Jung Jung. yes exactly thank you i'm terrible with names um and then of course we had the water bending master in the north pole mm -hmm. master paku exactly and they're not gentle souls they're not exactly <laughs> gentle souls um no, they're kind of kind of rigid kind of rough <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit but guru patik is again what did i just say earlier What's the first thing you want to do? Establish the easiest way to make a character immediately irrevocably likable. You gotta like animals. <laughs> exactly. And they did that instantly. And of course, now we love him because we're like, oh, he's so good to Appa. He's been through so much. And now the guru is so right. nice to him. He just gave him some apples. <laughs> he rubbed his belly. Yes. Oh my gosh. I would love to just like fly on Appa. Like he looks like he'd be so soft to just like lay on and sleep. He's so sweet. He's like his big old tail. <laughs> I love when they this 
completely not having to do with the episode, but I love whenever the gang is like resting and sometimes they'll sleep on his tail. It's so cute. It's like a big bed. Yeah, they just grab their sleeping bags and they just curl up on his tail. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I want to do that so bad. If they screw up, I'm just going to say this right now. If they screw up Appa's design in the live action Netflix show, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> like, how is it hard to make, to translate this adorable design into... 3d like how is that hard because they somehow managed to fuck it up with the live action movie yeah and he horrible. was like a nightmare monster he's, <laughs> yeah. he's still my but, sleep paralysis demon like sometimes i still wake up in the middle of the night and i just see like live action last airbender <laughs> appa out just just hovering over my bed Oh God! Yeah, don't don't do Appa dirty like that again, please. <laughs> I feel really, cute. I feel really confident that the people making the new show that there's just a panel, like a a a group of of Avatar diehard fans there, just as like a focus group to like run yes. decisions and design stuff past them. Be like, what do you guys think? Please, the planet Earth <laughs> as a whole is just joke. sorry about that whole movie thing right i i hope i wish that they would have that god um because i think i think that that really would help especially now that the creators aren't a part of it because that that should have been their focus group for the creators of the show but mm -hmm. it's fine i'm holding out hope it looks much better than the live action movie at least yeah yeah they're they're they're, they're going for gold they're going for gold we've seen the casting choices and the costume stuff it looks so good okay well so, what would you, getting back to the episode, what would you rank uh, Appa's Lost Days? Mm, you know what? I'm going to flip-flop from where we were in the last one, and this one's an 8 out of 10 for me. The episode is right. really good. It has a really good message. It's wonderful to see an episode that's devoted to this this big, fuzzy beauty here. Um and and it takes us through so many cool things. Uh, it's hard to watch him being abused, but it's really cool though to see him reconnect with the warriors of Kyoshi. It's really cool to see him land at the what was it, the Eastern Air Temple? Yes, I believe so. And and we yes. got introduced to the guru. It had a lot of really, really nice things. And of course the tie back in to the intrigue there. Um, yeah, nothing nothing bad to say it in particular. It just it just lands on a solid eight. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you. So <laughs> both episodes for me are an 8 out of 10. Um, this one is one that I don't rewatch often just because it is hard to watch a lot of the time. Um, I don't like seeing animals. I, I totally believe that this episode needed to be here. Absolutely. Um, but it's not one that I like going back to rewatch um, just because, like I said, I love Appa so much. I don't like seeing him suffer. Um, I do love the Kyoshi Warriors being reintroduced and the Ozai's Angels and all that um, and meeting Guru Patik who comes back, like I said. But um, yeah, so I mean, while it's hard to watch, I think that they do everything very well. So I, I would also go with an 8 out of 10. Yeah. And you know, all this foreshadowing more of the intrigue there in Ba Sing Se makes me wonder if in the next few episodes we just might see some more of these characters again. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll have to find out. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. 
You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.